would love to be a part of that. Check it out. And we'd love to just really invest in your life. Turn the Bible to the book of Luke chapter 24. We're going to begin at verse 13. I'm going to read out of the ESV translation. And uh, I pray that the Lord speaks to all of you. And um, I know that he's going to continue to speak to me even as I preach this message. And we begin at verse 13. It says, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is a conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? Now let me just stop there. How many know that Jesus knew what had happened? Because it was his life that was happening, right? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said, look at Jesus. What things? Don't you just love Jesus? I mean, it's like... I love this guy. The more I read the Bible, the more I love Jesus. Amen. Like, what things are you talking about? What things? And he said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a mighty, a man who was a mighty prophet in deed and word uh, before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered and how our chief priests and rulers, de- and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to, the, to be condemned to death and crucified him. But he had hope, but we had hope. That he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Look at verse 26. Was it not necessary? Was it not necessary? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. How many know that Jesus was an actor? You see that? He's just, he's just acting, just acting, just acting. You do the same thing with your kids. You act, right, because you want to interact with them. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. See, sometimes God is just looking for an invitation. God, God will do things to get you to invite him. He's God, he can do whatever he wants to do, but an invitation is better than forced entry. I'm just saying. That was so good. I don't know where that came from. You know, Benny Perez, you're amazing. I know I amaze myself all the time. (laughs) When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, didn't our, our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road? And opened the scriptures to us, and they rose that same hour. Come on, guys, it's midnight now. And they walked another 11 miles back. And they found the people gathered, saying, they said to them, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them at the breaking of the bread. Father, thank you for your word. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you around the topic of recognizing, recognizing Jesus, recognizing Jesus. 
I want to encourage you today, whether you're watching at another location or worldwide here at Church 1132, there are some things that needed to happen in your life and there are some things that are going to happen. But I can assure you that everything that has happened in your life may not have been from God, but God can take what has happened and use it for his glory. I want to say that again. It may not have come from God, but God can use everything that has happened, come on, for his glory. Can I hear an amen? God is not the author of everything, but he's the finisher of everything. You know, did you hear what I said? I, 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 know, I know you don't understand it. I know I don't understand it. I know it's been horrific. I know it's been painful. I know it's been crazy. I know it's been crazy. I, I know all that. But I'm here to tell you that God could use everything, come on, for his glory. And I want to just encourage you that today you're here because I believe God has a great word for you. Not because I'm here, but because I'm just so excited that there are messages that you know, as preachers, and, and I tell on preachers because I'm a preacher, so I tell you preacher stories because you don't know preacher stories unless you're a preacher. But there are some messages that, quite honestly, we, we preach and we, we grind it through getting them. And, and we just did our best and, you know, we studied our self-approved, we, we get in there, we, 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 we do our best. But there are times when God just downloads something to you. And I love those times. And it doesn't happen all the time because he wants me to study. If he just downloaded, I would be playing all day. Come on, somebody. I'd be like, I'm going to play all day, God. Now download me in 30 minutes, right? But it was, it was Easter and we had a great Easter. Well, about two weeks ago, like church number 32, you had an amazing Easter. And how many know that God's moving? Come on, at your church. You got to give God glory for it. Amen. <laughs> amazing. All locations, right? And, and, and people, wow, well, it's not about numbers. Let me tell you something. It is about numbers because the Bible says when one person gets right with God, oh, heaven rejoices. And you're in a move of God, church number 32. Let me tell you, as an outsider, me and Winnie as outsiders can tell you that you are in a move of God. I, 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 would, I would say that you're on the, move, on the edge of a revival, an outpouring that I think Dallas has never seen before. But, but, but I want to encourage you that we're just going to keep on pressing. Even tonight it's going to be amazing. But we had an amazing Easter last week and it was uh, two weeks ago and it was just an incredible time. And God moved to our locations and around the world through Church LV and and, and afterwards, I was preaching the week after, and most preachers don't want to preach the week after Easter. Because it's a Super Bowl on Easter. Crowds you never have before. And then reality hits the next weekend. That the creatures don't come back. Come on now, you're talking about, right? And, 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 and I decided, I'm going to have a good, I'm going to have a good attitude. So I said, who's going to preach? I'm going to preach after Easter. I'm going to show I'm a man of God. Amen. And so I, I, said, I said, God, what am I going to preach? And in 37 years of preaching, I know I don't look that old. I started when I was five. <laughs> okay, six. Who's counting? <laughs> you know. and, and, and in 37 years of preaching, I've never preached on the road to Emmaus. To my knowledge, I've never preached on the text. And, and I said, you know what? I, I think I'm supposed to preach on the road to Emmaus. And so that week I started my study. Pastors have different ways of studying, and I read the text, reread the text, read it again, have the Bible app read it to me, so I'm listening to it. I go into my Lagos, and I start looking at all my, my commentaries. You know, Wendy's really into N.T. Wright, so I said, what does N.T. Wright say? You know, so she, she studies, you know, shows me some study material for M.N.T. Wright, because N.T. Wright is like Jesus to her, you know. And I'm like, wow, it's just the English accent. I want to just learn how to speak with the English accent, then I might be an expert. Amen. 
and I think you should study and everything. And I say, God, I, I want you to show me something. I want you to talk to me. I, I want you to reveal the scripture to me, God. I, I don't want to just get a sermon for people, God. I want to get a message for me. I want, I want you to speak to me, God, because I, I'm going through things right now, God. I know what you know. You know what I'm going through, God. I, I haven't spoken with somebody for over two years. And it's very hard for me, God, right now, God. You know all the, the path that I'm on right now. God, I, I need you to speak to me. And that was my prayer. It wasn't give me a message for the people. I've God, speak to me. And I remember going through the week and I was writing down things on my notepad. And I woke up on a Friday morning. And I woke up and I'm like, oh my goodness, I pulled out my phone, I went to my notes section and my iPhone and normally I don't do that. I just start writing these notes. Then I got up and I went and I got my pad and literally, I know it sounds a bit, maybe a little bit spooky, but I literally was getting downloaded by God. Like I was hearing things faster than I could write. I'm writing down on the pad, I'm, I'm scratching this stuff down and, and I was like, oh my God, I read the time, I said, God, I, how have I missed this all this time, God? How? Have I missed the point of the road to Emmaus? And so we know the, the text that we just read, it is after the burial, crucifixion, and resurrection of Christ. However, the point is, is that the two people, which are actually a husband and wife, as they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a place of comfort, of familiarity with them, they know about the crucifixion, the burial, but they're not quite sure about the resurrection. They're in trauma. They're in pain, bewilderment, confusion. Their soul has been ripped apart. And in this, they are walking and unbeknownst to them, a stranger that the reader, Luke, lets us know, right? Let's us, the readers, know who the stranger is. It is Jesus, but he is not recognized by the two in trauma. And in this road, which some people say, some commentaries say it is seven miles, but another commentary would actually refute it and say it's 17 miles. So let's split the difference. Let's say about 12 miles. Now, we're in America. Most of us don't walk 12 miles in a month. I don't care what your watch says. Get up, 10,000 steps. Okay, most of you don't walk very far. But in Jesus' day, you walked. And when you walked, you actually had fellowship. You actually talked. There was no iPhone. There was no ESPN. There was none of that. You actually had to have a conversation. And so the Bible says that Jesus shows up. And in this text, I just want to show you something because I just believe it's going to speak to all of us. There's three simple points. Number one, the first point is this. Jesus is missed when our present reality does not meet our expectations. I can say it slowly. Jesus is missed when our present reality does not meet our expectations. Jesus, it shouldn't have been this way. Jesus, I don't, why is it like this? Because God, I want to let you know, my expectation does not meet my present, my, my reality does not meet my expectation. My present reality, God, is no, I expected something different. Here's what's happening. Notice in verse 14 and 15. And they were talking with each other about all these things that happened. And they were walking. They were rehearsing. Remembering all the things they just witnessed. I love one trans. They were reasoning among themselves. 
reasoning, questioning. The problem with that is it was amongst themselves. And you got to be careful because you can reason yourself into weariness. I've seen that so much. I, and they just keep on reasoning and reasoning, and pretty soon you start a fear. Then you get in your soul, you get a little bit lower and a little bit lower and a little bit lower because you're just reasoning and you're trying to do these gymnastics in your head to try and explain what has happened. They experience something in their life. The challenge is, is we place so much on our experience, knowledge, and natural ability. That's what that word means. I am reasoning based upon all my knowledge, my experience, my ability, and I have to try and figure it out in my paradigm, in my framework. And when you do that, it does not fit. And so what happens is, is Jesus even says, why are you so sad? It's so interesting that the Bible says that Jesus draws near to them. Now, now hear me. The Bible says if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Got it, 100%. But sometimes you don't have energy to draw near to him, but he'll still draw near to you. Sometimes you've been through so much hell, you have no ability in your own ability to come to near him. And what's interesting about the scripture is it says that, but it also says that God draws near to them of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Let me tell you about brokenness. Culture despises it. And we throw away broken things. God is drawn to broken things, to broken places, to broken people. Why? Because God knows in your brokenness he's the only one that could put you back together again. It says, he drew near to them. I love this. I love this so much. How many times I've been on a road of pain. Not even probably even talking to God. I'm just talking, man, Benny, why did this happen, man? God, this is just sucks. It's, it's terrible. And he draws near to them. But their eyes were kept from noticing him. Now, now, now I'm intrigued with scripture. The older I get the more I'm intrigued by everything in Scripture. Pastor Steve, it says, but they were kept from recognizing him. It says what happened, but it didn't say what caused it. So here's my question. Because a, a good preacher will tell you, but a great preacher will make you think. So I ask myself the question, what kept them from recognizing Jesus? They were disciples, Pastor Dustin, which means they had walked with him. They knew his face. They knew who he was. But in the midst of whatever they were going through, it kept them from recognizing. My question is, what kept them? So, so may I submit to you some thoughts? Was it their trauma? Their disappointment? Their misunderstanding. Let me, let me, let me, let me, forget about them. Let me ask you, what keeps you from recognizing Jesus? No, no, what, what, what keeps you from recognizing Jesus when he's right there with you? Because the enemy says he's not there with you, but he's always with you. Because then Jesus would be lying when he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. That I'm a friend who's six closer than a brother. So the enemy comes and he wants you to look at it differently than God looks at it. What, 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 what keeps you from recognizing? Well, we know 
therapists, psychologists will tell us the number one thing is pain. Trauma. It's, it's a crazy thing. Because a lot of times pain and trauma, you know what it does? It causes you to look inward. Man, I'm preaching good. No, I, I'm just saying that because I don't care what you think. I know what I think. <laughs> you don't know. I, I know. And what a good friend, a good counselor, a good pastor, a good therapist, or if you don't like that word, a good coach will draw you out of yourself and to help you look at someone that can help you with what you're going through. Luke does not tell us what kept them from seeing Jesus other than that they were kept from seeing him. They're having a conversation among themselves and Jesus even comments, why are you so sad? The question I have is what kind of conversations are you having with yourself or with others that will cause you to rehearse it, to nurse it, to curse it, but you're not framing it in the right perspective. Number one, Jesus missed when our present reality does not meet our expectation. Number two, write it down. Jesus is missed when we see only with our eyes, not his. Verse 17 through 21, Jesus said, what things? And they go, are you the only visitor here in Jerusalem? I love this. And man, if I was Jesus, I would have said, yo, I'm Jesus. Don't talk to me that way. <laughs> Just that sarcasm. Are you the only one? I like. You know, I'm sorry, that's my humanity. Let's get back to the anointed Benny. Amen. What things? He, he, he's asking them a question. Why? He already knows because it's his life. But I love that Jesus always is invoking this interaction with us. He wants to talk with you. I grew up in a Baptist church and, and got saved in a Baptist church. We sing the song, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other will ever know. And we sang that song as a kid, didn't understand it, didn't get it, but now I do. There is a Jesus and he wants to talk with you. And he wants to walk with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your joys, your pain, your disappointments, your joys. That is what Jesus wants. He is not a genie wanting to get you out of problems. He's a God that wants to walk with you through the problems. <laughs> he goes, what, what things? They begin to explain. Notice what they said. Well, he was a mighty prophet in word and deed. And, and this was the one that was supposed to deliver us. They were looking for a political Jesus. Now, I'm going to say something that represents my viewpoint, not this church. If we're not careful, we are looking for the same thing today. I think you should vote. I think it should be by biblical principles. Can I hear an amen? I think you should do or your constitutional right, I think you should do all that. But my friends, let me tell you something. I'm old enough to tell you I've lived through a Carter administration. I've lived through a Bush one, Bush two. I've lived through Obama one, Obama two, Clinton one, Clinton two. I've lived through, through uh, Trump one, and, and I've lived through Biden one, 
And let me tell you, there have been changes in the White House. And the church is still here. The church is still thriving. The church is still moving forward. And listen to me. I don't have my, I don't mind saying, I'm a conservative. I don't mind saying any of that. I'm a biblical man. I don't mind saying that. But I'm ready to tell you there's one that will never change. His name is Jesus. And Jesus doesn't get voted in. Doesn't get voted out. Our God is still in control. Somebody give God a five-second praise break right now. I tell my church all the time, listen, you can follow a donkey, follow an elephant. I'm following the lamb. Amen. Amen. And some of you are going to do hate mail. Go ahead, bring it on. Because let me tell you something. I, I, I've been in the White House. And, and if Biden invites me, I'll go. And I'll sit down. I'll tell him what I told Trump. And I told Trump somebody didn't want to hear. But I'm not there to mimic anybody. I'm there to prophetically say this is what God says. Because some of you think Trump is the answer or Biden's the answer. That's the problem. You put too much emphasis on a man. We got to put our emphasis back on Jesus again. Okay, that got me in trouble. Pastor, I'm sorry. It's your birthday. But I wanted to give you a little bit of trouble to deal with it later. Chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be crucified. What they said was not accurate. Notice what they're doing. Men did it. The government did it. The religious leaders did it. People did it. My neighbor did it. My wife did it. My wife did it again. My husband did it. <laughs> they were seeing things from their own perspective and understanding, and they give credit to people doing this to Jesus rather than it being part of the plan of God. Just because we don't understand God's path does not mean he does not have a plan. Does anybody else trip on the, on the path God has you on it every once in a while? Does anybody trip on that? I'm raising my hand right now. Does anybody trip on that? Does anybody ask God, why, why am I on this path? Come on, wave your hand at me, right? Well, why, why God? And the enemy wants you to get caught up on the path because he says, well, if the path is wrong, then there must be no plan. But I'm here to tell you God's plan will triumph over any path that you have to walk through. I will go on record to tell you this. I don't like a path I'm on right now. I don't like it. It's painful. I don't want to mess you up, but it hurts like hell. And it's in my face every day. I don't like the path. But Jesus is with me. I just need to recognize him. Can I tell you something about God's grace? He doesn't say it's good for a week. It's good for a day. My grace is new every day. You know what I've learned in the path I'm on? It's been, over, it's been about two years now. 
this path that I'm on. I, I realize grace, I wake up and grace is empowering me today. It doesn't mean that it has to feel better. I just have to know that he's with me. Just because you don't understand God's path doesn't mean that God doesn't have, come on somebody, a plan. So what does Jesus do? Jesus says, no. The, the, the rulers didn't crucify me. Rome didn't crucify me. It is the plan of God. That it was, it was late and he opened up their eyes to him in the scripture. The problem isn't scripture isn't accurate. The problem is you can't see it yet. So we need the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes to the scriptures. We need to have the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Jesus, to open up our eyes. So now I look at my present path, and if I don't look at it the right way, I begin to be a victim. I begin to get down, discouraged, depressed, and, and God, why me? But if I look at it through the eyes of Scripture, I realize that God is going to cause all things to work together for my good. And God, I thank you right now, God. Open my eyes, God, that I could see again. That's why coming to church is so important because it helps open up your eyes. That's why having worship and devotions daily opens up your eyes. That's why coming back to revival night is God open up my eyes so I can really see. They're playing because I know I'm supposed to end. The overarching plan of God is two things, redemption and restoration. Prophetically, I would declare to you that God's going to redeem everything that has happened to you. And I believe that God's going to restore things to your life. I believe it. I believe, I believe we're en entering exponentially a, a season in the spirit where God is going to expedite things. And what the palmer worm and the cankerworm have eaten, God is going to restore again. You're going to see the ebbing away, going to shift. And God's going to accelerate. Come on, healing. God's going to accelerate restoration. God's going to accelerate things in your life. In fact, if you need a physical healing in your body, lift your hand right now. I declare healing over your physical body. I command healing right now in your hormones. I declare healing right now in every part of your body. I declare it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. You be healed right now. In Jesus' name. Last point and I'm done. Jesus is recognized at the table. Write it down. Jesus is recognized at the table. Jesus says, I, I, I'm going to go further. And they said, no. They convince him. They long for him to stay with them. So now Jesus goes and he abides with them. He lounges with them. They ate at lower tables in Jesus' day. It wasn't a big table like us. And you would really lounge and sit. The picture is, watch me, is that now in the place of rest is when you realize Jesus. You see Jesus and recognize him at the place of rest. Too many of us are are so hurried, so many of us are, are so overwhelmed that we don't take time at the table. He sits with them and at the table is what Jesus does is Jesus now took the bread, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and it says their eyes were open. I didn't see this in any other part. I, I, what I'm about to tell you, I didn't get from any, any commentary, I didn't get it from anybody. And something exploded in my heart, it says, and when they ate, their eyes were opened. When 
was the first time that happened. <laughs> it was in the Garden of Eden. Do you understand that, Pastor Steve, this is the first meal in new creation. Bernie, this is the first meal in the new covenant. When he took communion, he hadn't died and resurrected yet. This is the first meal of Jesus after his resurrection. The first meal ever was in the old covenant, old creation with the husband and wife. Do you know that Cleopas and the other person, they are husband and wife. Do you see it? Do you see it? That there's a husband and wife in the garden. But what they did is they took and they ate. And their eyes were open to sin, shame, and condemnation. When we take and do our life our way. When we take our rights. When we say, God, I'm going to do it my way. Your eyes are open but to the wrong thing. Wow. New creation, the first meal, the eighth meal of Jesus. New beginnings. Is that now Jesus, he takes... And Jesus now with the husband and wife, and, and it is there's so much here, I, I don't have time to unpack it. But it is a prophetic uh, picture of what Jesus is going to do with the new sons and daughters of God. What he's going to do, because he was the second Adam. Because the first Adam blew it, but the second Adam got it right. And now, in the first meal and new creation, their eyes are open. And they recognized him. Here's my prayer. Because we got another service to do. My prayer is, is that you would recognize all that Jesus has done for you as you sit at the table with him. I have to sit at the table every day. Because there's a relationship I have right now, I can't sit at the table and talk to them. And it's the most painful thing. I know most preachers shouldn't talk about stuff like that because we're, we're elevated. No, I'm just on a stage so you can see me better. But I walk through pain, valleys, situations, just like you. If I'm not careful, I reason and I miss Jesus. Listen, go get therapy, go see a coach, go see a counselor, go see a Christian-based. But don't let that substitute for you spending time with Jesus. Can, can I tell you, the simplicity of solitude and silence cannot be overstated. Some of you make it too complicated. You know what, if you're married, you should tell your, your spouse, hey, Wendy, you know what? I just put my Skechers on, I just got the new yellow ones that Snoop Dogg is wearing. You didn't see those? I should, probably, I should probably get compensation for that. Hey, Wendy. Hey, Wendy. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to talk to Jesus. Go to your prayer closet. Sometimes your prayer closet is your car driving to work. Whoosh. Church of M32 worship and I'm, Jesus, I, I, need, I need to talk with you. Somebody had said, sometimes it's at that beach. Sometimes it's working out. Why do we complicate it? They were walking. They weren't in a synagogue. Can I tell you, you spend more time outside of this house. You spend more time in your house than this house. What would happen if you just 
I, I, I'm going to do a devotional called Table Talk. And how, how, how to help you sit at the table with Jesus. There will be less pastoral counseling if you just spend time with him. I'm not, I'm not negating that. Please, please hear me. I, I know I'm over, so I got it. I got it. I'm done. I'm done. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. Now, the message isn't for anybody. It's for me still, Jesus. I'm on my road to Emmaus. But I recognize that you're with me.